You're listening to Different Things Can Be Sad. Welcome to Different Things Can Be Sad, where it's cool to care about politics and pop culture. I'm Yasmin Lomax. And I'm Micah Hunt. And we are your hosts of this monthly politics and pop culture podcast. But first, given that it is a monthly podcast, we must talk about our months. So Micah, how was your October 2020? Um, it was interesting. Uh-huh. Um, those of you who follow me, especially on Twitter, as I complain and talk about this, when I do and tweet, have a You I have a new about. username there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As avid listeners of the show will know i've been debating <laughs> changing my name and i have now changed my name on twitter and instagram to at micah Hahn. so it's very easy um but yes uh montreal where i live has gone into what we call the red zone which just basically means we are in some form of lockdown um and that has been fine um because i have i have a, a friend who i'm illegally allowed to see we did Thanksgiving, as Canadian Thanksgiving is in October. That was really lovely. It was my first time making Thanksgiving dinner all by myself. Aww. Um, that was definitely a highlight of this month. I was really proud. I, like, did everything except for gravy. Mm-hmm. Um, everything else was from scratch. Gravy, yeah. like, my friend wanted to bring something. I was like, gravy is a thing that, like, I don't need to make. It's yeah. not, like, important to me. Whereas, like, everything else was, like, important to me that I made it. Um, <laughs> and so, just because I kind of wanted to prove that I could. And I did. So Good for you. Yeah. That was really good. How was your October? It was a lot. This was a very big month for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a whole mission to get my new visa, which I was <laughs> successful with. So, Woo! yeah. So, I will be sticking around New York. So, that is very exciting. Um, and I started a new job. So, oh, uh, I saw Timothy Chalamet. That is exciting. Cycling his bike. Um, and then I've had like the seeds of doubt placed in my mind that maybe it wasn't Timothy Chalamet. And then today, no, 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 it's okay. Cause today, November 2nd, 2020, um, he was putting his little signed GQ copies around New York city and he Mm -hmm. put one at the Tompkins square bagel on second ab and that is exactly where i spotted him so i know now that it's definitely him he has returned Mm -hmm. to the scene of the crime um i am going to take this as a hint that he's like calling me like Mm -hmm. that he's he was like wow i saw a really hot girl there (laughs) um so i will plant a a relic here and she knows that this is our spot and Mm -hmm. yeah i'm you know it's it's yeah, I'm, yeah, there's like a whole um, romantic comedy waiting to happen there. It really is. As as Yaz pointed out, normally we try to not tell you the exact date of recording. But Sorry, I think yeah. it's important to note that today is November 2nd. Ah, um, yeah. And that this podcast, yes, this podcast <laughs> exists in that space and time, and we don't know what's happening in the future. Um, so yeah, take everything we say with that understanding of context. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so back to October, which mm-hmm. we can pretend we're in. No, no, we'll, we'll be honest. It's November second. Um, what <laughs> did happened. you What did you read in October, Micah? Can you mm. tell us about it? Well, I read 
three books for school, full books. I'm not going to tell you about them, but if yeah. you follow me on Goodreads, which I exist there too, you can see what I read. Are you Miss Clearwater really there or Micah? I'm, I think I'm my own name. Yes. Okay. Um, one thing I didn't read for school, um, which I actually listened to, is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. And so for the next minute, well, as I talk about this, just a trigger warning about sexual assault. We'll put it in the show notes if you need yeah. to. Yeah. We'll put the timestamp when that's over in the show notes. Um, so Ronan Farrow, or Satchel Farrow, as he was born, um, <sighs> God, I forget is <laughs> a very young, um, for how much he's done, journalist. Uh, used to like work for the Foreign Service, uh, lawyer, um, also child of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen. Um, and he was on the Harvey Weinstein case reporting on it um, for over a year before the news actually broke. Um, he didn't actually break the story, the New York Times did, but he had been working on it at the same time that they were um, at MSNBC. Um, so this book chronicles what that experience was like, but then also chronicles what was happening with Harvey Weinstein at the same time, knowing what we know now. Um, And so part of that is that at MSNBC, and this was kind of a big part of the Harvey Weinstein case when it came out, is that MSNBC like covered up the story. They like actively tried to make it so Ronan Farrow couldn't publish the story. and partially that's because a bunch of the head bosses there were friends with Weinstein and were talking to him uh, during the process. Um, so Ronan Farrow, when he actually did release his story, um, released it with uh, The New Yorker. Ah. Um, yeah. So the book is really interesting. I think it weaves together the different timelines really well. Um, the one thing I didn't like about the audiobook is that Ronan Farrow voiced it himself. And for the most part, it was good, except for sometimes when he was voicing female characters, it was like a little demeaning. Um, his, his Rose McGowan impression and like, oh, no. about her. like she like is in some ways contentious, but she like didn't deserve to kind of be portrayed in the way he did. Just like just with his reading of his voice in the actual oh, book, I think she comes okay. off like, well, yeah. So would definitely recommend the book fully, I think it's really interesting. The audiobooks with reservation. Uh, now I kind of want to read it just as an audiobook to hear the <laughs> Rose McGowan thing. Yeah. But um, I've actually been meaning to read this book f- since it came out. I've had it on mm-hmm. reserve at the library multiple times and then actually like been given it and been like, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm ready for this right now. It's so, a lot. Yeah, I think I'll have to be in a specific state. Just there was no time this year where I was mentally ready for yeah. it something you know when something like sneaks up on you and you're like oh this is much deeper than i expected yeah this one seems like i know how deep it's gonna be and i'm like am i ready for this yeah i think part of the deepness is honestly just like the horror at what msnbc did like Mm. more than like obviously what harvey weinstein did was horrifying but we've Mm. kind of if you follow the case at all then kind of like know what that's like but you're really unprepared for like a new the, twist. The new twist and the kind mm-hmm. of like benev- benevolent, I guess is the right word, sexism that was involved in a lot of it of like, oh, you women like don't want to like, we're protecting you by not going through with this or like, you don't know what's best for you and stuff like that. That's just kind of like deeply gross. 
and is so yeah like with that all there's yeah gross institutional things that allow yes. for they're really gross weinstein things to occur mm-hmm. so mm, yeah i can i can see how that's quite horrifying um on another note, I would like to recommend a book that was not horrifying. It was <laughs> one that felt like a warm hug to me, and mm-hmm. it is called All Adults Here, or All Adults Here, as I would say in my Irish accent, uh, by <laughs> Emma Straub. And um, I read a lot of books this month, actually. It was a good month of reading for me, but this one in particular stood out because I think it's actually in my top five of like the whole year. And I've read like 45 books this year, so I think that's wow. a good um a good position for it to be in uh it's about a woman named astrid strick and she is a mother and grandmother who lives in a fictional town in the hudson valley of new york and she's navigating a new love after the death of her husband years before as well as contemplating and trying to correct the mistakes she believes she's made with parenting her now grown-up children so that's kind of where the novel splits off. She's kind of at the core of it, but we do follow her children and um, her grandchildren as well. Mm-hmm. So of her children, there's Nick, who's a former child star and current pot lover, whose 13-year-old daughter has been sent to live with Astrid after an incident at her school in Brooklyn. There is Elliot, who lives by a set of very strict standards that are crippling him. There is Porter, who is... Um, the only girl of the family and is single and intentionally pregnant, but struggling to give up some behavior from her teenage years. And then um, various other characters as well. So there's a lot going on. There's a lot of characters and every one of them has something pretty big that they're working through. But as I mentioned before, it did just feel like a warm hug. There was some sort of like Mm -hmm. familial warmth to it. And I listened to it as an audio book and Again, conversely to you, Mike, I would really recommend the audiobook because it was just nice to walk around the city and listen to it. It was the kind of book that was, yeah, just lovely, but also very stimulating. Like I was mm-hmm. prompted to think a lot and there was um, interesting twists and turns and it went in directions and explored topics that I didn't expect it to. So I would wholeheartedly recommend All Adults Here by Emma Straub. Um, on to things that we've watched. Have you watched anything cool in October 2020? Yeah, I've watched a couple things. The thing I want to talk about is a reality show that hit Netflix that I don't think a lot of people were talking about. It kind of came out am- amongst other stuff. I think namely the Emily in Paris shenanigans. Um, Which we should just say we're not going to speak about because yeah. I honestly think the discussion about that has been ridiculous. It's like people have never heard of a dumb fun silly show before and are trying to intellectualize it and mm-hmm. i'm going to introduce y'all to the hallmark channel if that's your opinion so um <laughs> with that micah <laughs> um so i watch deaf you which is a reality tv show that follows the lives of a group of students at um Gladette. Um, university which is a university in washington dc that's primarily for deaf students um oh, yeah, i did not know about the show yeah, it's cool. It, the university started when I was doing my research. It's quite an old institution. It started as like a, a school for the deaf and blind uh-huh. um, and then became a university and is now a private university. So what's kind of nice about the show is that it's about the same caliber as other TV shows that follow around like 20-somethings in that like 
almost the entire show is about like their personal drama and love lives and like who's sleeping with who. I love um, it. Juicy yeah. Nuts. And so in that way, the show is about, um, it like teaches you about deaf culture, but that's clearly not its primary intention. Uh-huh. Like all of the, like, it's not like, this is how deaf people live. It's like, this yeah. is how this particular group of people who just happen to be in the deaf community, like, go through university. So and, like, kind some- of like uh, to all the boys, which I know I reference all the time, but in that Lara Jean is Korean American, but it is just a rom-com. It's not the defining, but, yeah. Yeah, it's a teen rom-com that white characters have got to have yeah. many times I think in before. a similar way, that's, that is the case. Like, it's not about teaching the audience about this some weird culture that they don't know about and mm. you're like we're gonna show you at least that's the way i understood it um i think there are i was reading about the show afterwards and there are some criticism criticisms of it so one of them is that like there's too much hooking up and drinking and so it doesn't really show the whole like spectrum of uni culture like apparently the university has a great like drama department and like right. all this other stuff that just doesn't get touched on um the other criticism is that there aren't any women of color on the show who hmm. are deaf and then the only men of color like primarily pursue white women um hmm. in their um pursuits but there is other kind of diversity in that like there are different um people from deaf culture so there's kind of one thing that introduces the difference between like elite deaf people and non-elite so elite deaf people are the people in university whose parents and their grandparents are deaf so they've been a really their families have been important in like crafting deaf culture and then non-elites are people who like were born into hearing families um and there's like a, a bunch of class difference as well like the way we typically understand it um one pushback to this criticism that it isn't representative enough that I saw and was told about was that um, maybe it's a good thing that the show doesn't have to represent all deaf people. Like if you were to try and cram it. Yeah. Yeah. If you were trying to cram every single experience into a show, then it would be kind of this like educational educational thing. Whereas this is like, it's clearly about these college kids who just want to drink a lot and sleep around. Mm. And like, we get to see the drama unfold. And it has about the same kind of, like, to me, it felt the same as like, if it was set in, um, I don't know, like a French university. Like, I don't know what French university culture is like. And I think I would have learned the same things. Mm. Um, about French culture as I did about deaf culture. Okay, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would, like, highly recommend it if you want to, like, turn your brain off. The only thing is because it's um, in it, – because it's mostly subtitled, uh-huh. unless you like, speak ASL, you can't, like, do other things while watching it. Which Perfect. Is, I think, we should all stay off our phones. Yeah, I think that's something we all really do is we, like, text while we, like, watch a show or, like, we do other shit. Like, I, like, cook dinner while watching TV. Um you can't do that with us, so you are forced to give it your yeah. whole attention, which I think is good. You know what I do when I watch shows now? I crochet. Ooh, yes, nice. everybody. I learned how to crochet this month, and it has taken over my freaking life. <laughs> um, I do think that my TV choices and my viewing choices this month have been very influenced by that because I've been looking for mm-hmm. things that are just – like I don't want to watch something 
incredibly intense because really the crochet is my like like that's my yes. main focus i've chosen the viewing to be the background so yes. i'm looking i feel for the things. same way mm-hmm. with cross stitching like yeah. i just want to like do something with my hands yeah and i need something in the background so it's not just me and my thoughts yeah, like an audiobook and a podcast is nice as well. But um, if I'm going to watch things, this month I watched Dream Home Makeover on Netflix. It is a new and pretty short series about interior designers based in Utah. Um, they actually have a cool <laughs> style, which I think mm-hmm. is sadly rare. Like, you know, when you're watching those home renovation shows and you're like, what have you done yes. to this person's house? No, this one's this one's cool. And the family that are like, the designers actually seem really lovely. So definitely a good pairing with crochet. And that inspired me to my next choice, which is Selling Sunset. Yes, I have finally succumbed to the Selling Sunset mm-hmm. um, fandom. I've never watched this before, so I'm playing catch up. And I'm like halfway through season three now. I've heard it gets very juicy in a few episodes. So um, I'm very excited for it. But if you don't know, which apparently some people don't, um, mainly boys that I've spoken to, um, (laughs) about real estate agents in Los Angeles who sell insane houses and then have like insane drama between themselves. So it's sort of like real housewives, but with the extra bonus of crazy houses that have like swimming pool moats and can fit like 14 Lamborghinis in them. So definitely a nice bit of escapism there. And for something that's, like, not escapism because, like, it just has a very dark and strange mood to it this year, The Bachelorette. Uh-huh. I've also been watching this. We're obsessed with it. We've been sharing a lot of memes together. Yes. Um, which we will definitely share to our Instagram at DTCBS Podcast. I do um, have some great memes that I yeah, have accumulated. Yeah, any that involve uh, Dale and Party City are up there for me. So, um. <laughs> Speaking of Dale, yeah, Dale's basically the focus of this whole freaking season. So um, I don't want to give like too much away, but as you probably heard, uh, this is like we're watching a season where the Bachelorette is like immediately in love with one of the guys. Yes. uh, Dale. And Mm -hmm. all the other guys are starting to turn on her because it's so obvious. Which is not the format of the show at all if you um, have never watched The Bachelor. No, I don't think there's ever been one. I mean, there's been times where people have said at the end, like, I always knew it was you, but yes. they went along with the format of the show. This girl's sniffing his pants. Like, I won't even speak to the other guys. So I did watch, a like, today I watched a conspiracy theory video about The Bachelor. You can tell that this is my, like, escapism from yeah. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There was some argument about how much editing is involved oh, I'm in sure. like yeah. her portrayal. And she's really portrayed as like off her rocker. Oh yeah, she's bit. like they make her look cuckoo. Like she yeah. speaks about him. You know that meme that it's like when it's like some end credits where somebody's like just replaced all the names with their own name and it's meant to yes. be a project <laughs> joke, but then someone's like when your friend gets a new boyfriend and they won't stop speaking about him. That's yes. essentially her with Dale. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably edited, yeah. It's fully insane. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to participate in a cultural moment that is fun and a little crazy, definitely hop on Twitter while watching The Bachelorette. Yeah, it's it's a crazy season. I'm loving it. Again, it has like a strange vibe. Like it's very mm-hmm. dark and intense and um, dramatic in the way that it's not like normally at the beginning, it's like 
let's go skydive or like let's go ride a donkey and then this one she like takes guys to a bonfire and makes them like talk about their past relationships on rocks and stuff. this is like a covid effect in that they're not yeah. allowed to leave this yes. resort that they're in and normally they get to like go to fun places and sometimes they go to providence rhode island or that one i think it was last season they went to like ohio and all of the girls were like you're taking me to ohio <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, no. So the Bachelorette does actually lead me into my listening uh, nice. discussion of, of this month. Nice little, you know, segue there. Um, I've fallen off a lot with my listening this month because of all the reading and watching that I've been doing. But mm-hmm. I have just got into a podcast called Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. And I've been following Becca on Instagram for ages. She's a former Bachelor contestant, actually. Um, you might remember her as the one like she had a short little pixie cut and then everyone thought she went like her mom thought she went missing and like Mm -hmm. reported her yeah I've seen her on Instagram she now has like two adorable kids right two very cute kids and she's Mm -hmm. very like um like progressive all about like Mm -hmm. the environment and like equal rights and very very outspoken so um kind of not the typical bachelor contestant (laughs) Um, but she has this podcast and um, her and Jess do really, really great bachelor bachelorette recaps. They're like very specific and mm. we're like super fans of the series. So if you're as obsessed with this season as we are, um, I reckon get into this. It's actually like a really good way to um like decompress and like digest the episode mm-hmm. um, especially like since you know can't go into like an office or school and talk to your friends about it it's it's a, a cool way of doing it so get on to chatty broads but what about you micah have you been listening to um other batchy podcasts i haven't been listening to other batchy podcasts there's only so much bachelorette content i That's can uh, consume fair. in a week i do follow a bachelorette youtube channel that like does a fantastic um like predictions from the like trailers that they have yeah it's called bachelor fan take if you're obsessed Uh i think Uh yes it's it's a lot um the podcast i have been listening to this month is very different it's called resistance um and i'll read you the tag it does sound different i'll read you the description because it's hard to um describe um so resistance is a show about refusing to accept things as they are stories from the front lines of the movement for black lives told by the generation fighting for change so it's really an interesting podcast so the first episode follows one of the members of warriors in the garden Mm -hmm. so warriors in the garden is a black lives matter collective that kind of sprung out of the june protests in new york um and one of their members um decided to run for local council in 2021. So the episode follows him and like his backstory and how he kind of, he like went to his first protest ever was a Black Lives Matter protest in June. And then he started one of the biggest collectives or like the most front facing collectives Uh in at at the time. So they like got into all these magazines and were interviewed in all these places Uh and like they're quite well known. and then he, his aunt was like, well, protesting is good, but like we need someone in power to make change. And he's like, well, actually, my local city councilor is up for re-election and he sucks. So mm-hmm. I'm going to run against him in 2021. Which is about him kind of that pro- thought process and him deciding to do that. He's like 
22. Like, he's wow. very young. Yeah. So that was the first episode. And then the second episode um, might be something that you remember vaguely from all the way back in, I think it was August. Um, one of the other members of Warriors um, in the Garden was uh, a cop came to his door on, like, a Saturday or and um, tried to arrest him without a warrant. And mm-hmm. so he started doing an Instagram live and then was trapped in his apartment for seven hours. And there was like, oh, my gosh, like, huge amount of cops, like SWAT team, like dogs, like everything. And they had no warrant for his arrest and refu- couldn't get one and refused to tell him what he was being arrested for. Eventually, they told him that it was um, for assaulting a police officer, which he didn't do. Um he says he at this current moment hasn't like gone to trial yet Uh um but yeah they like huge intimidation tactics and so it talks about like his time on in like he need instagram live the whole thing um but eventually they like he was let out and like he was worried of getting killed like if he surrendered which is like a reasonable worry to have um yeah so this podcast really interesting follows like unique stories within the movement from a perspective of the journalist who um, runs the podcast is like a generation older than these warriors in the garden right. kids. And so he was at like the Ferguson protests. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So he has kind of, okay, not even that much older, than- not even that <laughs> like, much older, crazy but like, thing. Ferguson wasn't but, like long ago. Yeah. he talks about how he felt jaded in June because he was like, I've been doing this protesting forever and I don't think this is going to do anything. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I would, like, highly recommend. Um, I'm really excited to see what kind of new stories come out um, in the next month. Yeah. Wow. I think these podcast recommendations was a perfect crystallization of the ethos of different things can be said. So <laughs> it really was. The Bachelorette to BLM. That's mm-hmm. what we're about. We don't discriminate here. We'll discuss everything. So that's just us. <laughs> Politics. Uh, This month, we're going to talk about politics across the pond in Poland, because more timely in some ways and more relevant Mm -hmm. than other things we could be talking about. So you may you may have seen in the news that there are these huge protests happening in Poland right now. We're going to talk about how we got here and what's happening. So brief rundown. Before I get into background, um, protests started in Poland on October 22nd. Um, I wrote in my notes, why did they stop? No, Micah, why did they start? They started (laughs) um, because the Supreme Court of Poland, or they call it the Constitutional Tribunal, um, banned the abortion of fetuses with congenital defects. So in Poland, the only cases when you could get an abortion were... um, when the fetus was deformed in some way, which meant it couldn't actually be brought to term, um, or um, the mother's life was in danger, or in cases of rape or incest. So kind of the, these are the three mm-hmm. major categories in which like really restrictive countries still like allow abortion. So yes. um, in this case, it meant that um, this ruling says that you have to carry a... Um, baby that 
or fetus that won't survive outside the womb to term so that it can be baptized and then buried, um, which really is kind of a gross disrespect of women's autonomy um, and like a really traumatic experience more than anything. Mm. Um, so that happened on the 22nd and instantly um, it sparked huge protests. So it's um, one mm. of the largest, it's the largest protest that Poland has seen since the fall of communism in the 80s. Wow. Um, and partially that's because it isn't really just about abortion. It's about the political system that has been in place since 2015. Um, and yeah. about the real authority and legitimacy of this constitutional tribunal that uh, ruled on this abortion case. So how did we get to this point? Um, in 2015, the Law and Justice Party, or PIS, um, took power. So they won in like a real legit election. Um, and this party is deeply tied to the Catholic Church and has deep kind of nationalist sentiment. Um, so they kind of won this election in 2015 off the backs of being incredibly anti-immigrant. Because if you were cast your mind back to Europe mm. in 2015, a huge amount of that was about Syrian refugees, but also refugees from Northern Africa. Um, yeah, that's when everyone was like terrified of ISIS, yes. right? And it was like, yeah, Europe was very anti-immigration at that yeah. time. I mean, that's where we get exactly from, right? Um, so with the Catholic side... Um, 33 out of 38 million Poles identify as Roman Catholic, so it's an incredibly Catholic and religious country. Um, yeah, I've been there and done yeah. that. So, like, mm -hmm. vibe. Um, and the kind of nationalism of the Law and Justice Party was really kind of opposed to EU Western values that they saw being imposed upon them in the EU. I wanted to focus on more of traditional Polish values, so like the nuclear family, um, Catholic values. And it, the Pol um, it really wanted to kind of separate Poland from the European influence. Poland actually relies really heavily on EU um, money. About 9% of EU's like distributed budget goes to Poland. Um, so it's like huh. quite a bit of money, but they really wanted to only make that an economic alliance. This is kind of the Brexit argument of we want like to right, be, or give, give us money, money and we want to like be economic partners, yeah. but we don't want like your rules about what pillows should look like or whatever. Right. In this case, really not that rules about human rights and other human um, rights, yeah. such important things. So now I will tell you about some of the main players and I will butcher some Polish names and I deeply apologize to my friend Ava, who is Polish, and um, is going <laughs> to laugh at me right now. Um, so the president of um, Poland and of the Law and Justice Party, um, who is of the Law and Justice Party, is called, I'm not even going to say his first name, his last name is Duda, which I can say. Duda, that's that's yeah, yeah. Um And then yeah. he's not actually the person who's really important, despite being president. The really important person is now deputy prime minister, but he's... More importantly, the leader of the Law and Justice Party. And his name is Jaroslaw Kaczynski. That's a very butchered pronunciation of Kaczynski. But that is what we're going for. I think it's very Americanized. Um, 
yes. Yeah, okay, maybe. Um, right. But he is um, head of PIS. Um, he was prime minister at one point from 2006-2007, but now he stepped back, but uh-huh. he still holds kind of the ultimate power in the party. So if you read any article about Poland right now, he's the guy they're going to be talking about and not really Duda. Huh. So it's like a puppet master situation kind of i was um actually talking to my polish friend eva about this and i was like it's kind of like putin and she said well that's an insult to putin (laughs) um so that's kind of the context we're in um so really in the last five years um this party has had a really dubious is a nice way of saying it record when it comes to human rights so part of that is they've been incredibly anti-lgbtq yes um, we posted a picture on the the pod instagram we did. about this yeah yeah um so we've been seeing that for a long time they've also been really anti-free speech so they made it illegal um in 2018 um to suggest that poland had any responsibility for the holocaust um so you just can't say that um and then They've also made it almost impossible to criticize the Polish government on state media. Um, and they're also kind of generally anti-university and anti-intellectual. Huh. Um, yeah. And as I said before, they're kind of against migration quotas. They call them a threat to their Christian values. Um, this doesn't sound good. Like, I don't know how they can write uh, that out loud and then be like, yeah, oh, I stand behind that. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of some of the things, but I think the most important thing for the current protest to contextualize them is that they've, one of the biggest ways that this government has kind of made, transitioned Poland from being a democracy to what we would call an illiberal democracy, Mm -hmm. um, is that they've really stripped the constitutional tribunal of any power. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a Sudersky article from 2018, which we'll link um, in the show notes, um, And in the article, they argue that the constitutional tribunal no longer lives up to its name and that it doesn't protect or uphold the constitution anymore. Um, So you think of like the Supreme Court as, um, we can talk about this in other contexts too, as kind of being this arbiter of law and being really important to the longevity and stability of the nation um, and continuity part of that. Um, And so that's kind of been destroyed. So in 2015, um, the Constitutional Tribunal was doing a pretty decent job at what it was doing. It wasn't like the best out there, but it was doing its job. But when the Law and Justice Party came into power, they started bringing in these laws that made it so that they couldn't um, actually challenge any of the new laws that were getting created. Huh. Okay. Um, so it kind of like made the Constitutional Tribunal ineffective Mm -hmm. and then once they had kind of taken away their powers they started packing it with people who were favorable to the party um and then that allowed for the court to start throwing out laws that have been passed by governments from the past so like this abortion law which came in in the it's been changed a little bit but like the 90s um they like just they had the ability to kind of go back and like systematically throughout laws that the current government didn't like um so it's kind of this is the really foundational understanding like why these protests are happening so in july 2020 um this year uh there was a presidential election and duda was Mm re-elected um 
And his kind of, like in 2015, where they had this anti-immigrant um, sentiment, and that was kind of their platform, this platform is really based on, like, an anti-gay agenda of saying, mm. which is, I think, why we posted about it on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The posting that. question is the one where um, female members of parliament mm-hmm. had um, dressed in each in like a color of the rainbow and yes. stood in order while meeting with I think it was the president at an event mm-hmm. yeah so it, it's become incredibly relevant in Poland unfortunately um, they've kind of propped the party has propped up um, gay people as kind of being the enemies of the state and threatening democracy God, I can't believe it's happening of, in 2020 this is like I know insane. I think it's because they've constructed Poland as being, like, first and foremost about, like, the nuclear family. Mm -hmm. And, like, if Poland as a nation is tied to that, then anything that threatens that threatens Poland itself. A boring Um, thing to, like... I know. To make your national identity, like, get a life. (laughs) It's, um, it's a choice that they've had. Um, the election itself... I think other people are just as dubious as you were. Um, and the the election itself was incredibly polarized. And it really showed that the country was kind of split into two. And it was really close. So we saw that young and urban voters overwhelmingly voted for the opposition, who was uh-huh. the mayor of Warsaw. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, most people under 50 did. But Duda, like had overwhelming support from people 50 plus. God damn um, I know. And those are the people who vote. Yeah. Um, See, this is why so, we only need to do the Australian thing. Everyone just votes. Yes. Um, this, if you remember last month, we talked about what makes a free and fair election. There was also some worry about that yeah. in that um, all of the votes that were cast abroad came into question because it wasn't the like election board who was in charge of that. It was the government themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it was a question of most, I think a, the majority of polls who live abroad do not support the current government. And so it was a question of their votes just got lost. Um, so that's kind of where we are today. Poland okay. um, has this government that like most experts say are really eroding democratic values, but also like the democratic systems that are in place in Poland um, and taking more and more power. So abortion, where has this party stood on that? So they've been attempting to roll back abortion, the party itself, um, for many years now. Um, But it's not just the party. There's also in 2016, a citizens anti-abortion movement propped up. And mind you, like, abortion was already basically criminalized. Like, it was only those three reasons I mentioned before that yeah. you could get an abortion. Yeah. Um, God, people are still like, mm-hmm. That's not enough. Um, so in April um, of 2020, the government again tried to table this legislation um, that would have done the exact same thing as this Supreme Court or Constitutional Tribunal ruling did. This is actually a trend we've seen in the world and is something I'm studying right now and thinking about is um people criminalizing abortion during covid um one thing i want to note which i think we talked about when we um did our podcast on ireland's abortion laws which yeah. were a happy uh 
outcome. Yeah, um, way back one. That was one of our first episodes. It was one of our first episodes. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, we can put a little link for that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. But I think that would have been from like May or June, like 2020? 20, 2018, 2018, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yes. I mean, that was a long time ago, too. Um, <laughs> I know. I've like lost <laughs> years. Um, yeah, one thing that we should always really keep in mind when we talk about criminalizing abortions is that criminalizing abortion doesn't mean that less abortions are performed. Mm, yeah. It means that more illegal and dangerous abortions are. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic really changes this landscape in that pre-pandemic, a lot of women in Poland would travel to neighboring countries because in Europe, that's quite easy. Yeah. Um, like relatively easy if you have the means. I mean, still um, awful, right? Yes. It's awful. So like a lot of women would travel to Germany where you can get a safe um, and like cheaper legal abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously because of border closures during the pandemic, that's no longer an option. So we really see, see this isn't just the case in Poland. This is the case in many places around the world that this is one of the effects of the pandemic is that women yeah, can't actually I access abortion. imagine what that would be like in Ireland if that hadn't been changed yeah. a couple of years ago because i mean ireland's laws were that if you even went i mean like most people would have gone to england and got an abortion mm-hmm. there if you went there and came back like if they found out like that's a, still a crime just because yeah it happened in another country like nope you could still go to jail for that it mm-hmm. is crazy yeah wow i didn't really think about that so thank you for bringing that to my attention more sad things to think about um these protests in some ways are really exciting though so um the protests have started on the 22nd like i said and they've been going ever since um between the 22nd and the 30th of -hmm. october there's estimated 430,000 um people took on the streets um primarily it was a peaceful protest, um, and they've been using one of their tactics is using really provocative slogans. Yeah, I've seen so, so I, many on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, they're great. So a lot of um, F-bombs are being dropped. Um, one of my favorite um, is, could you please F off to the government, which I think is great. See, that's where they're um, using their Polish values, their traditional values yes. of like manners. Uh- yes. Um, <laughs> Obviously, all of these slogans are in Polish, but I have translated them um, for your ears and for my lack of embarrassment. <laughs> um, my my One of my favorites is um, the uh, chant, my body is not a coffin, no. i.e. like having to carry a yeah. uh, fetus to term. Um, another great one is the government is not a pregnancy. It can be removed. Um, and I think this shows you that, like, these protests aren't just about abortion. They're yeah. very quickly transforming into being anti-government yeah, protests. Yeah, yeah. Um, so because of the deep kind of connection between the Law and Justice Party and the church, there has been some tension around churches. So there's been some accusations of um, vandalizing of churches um, and... Just general, there, there has definitely been like picketing in front of churches. Uh-huh. That has been met with like young men who are part of like these nationalist party and also like parishioners from the churches kind of fighting back against that. Um, in uh, on October twenty seventh, um, Kazaninsky. Oh God, uh, such a bad pronunciation. Oh, Anyways, he. <laughs> 
Mr. K. Like, there's a problem is really you can't call him. Things when like people like come to Americans, like, we'll just call you Mr. Uh, K now. Yes. Um, uh, he said, this is an attack which is supposed to destroy Poland, which is to lead to the triumph of forces whose rule will essentially end the history of the Polish nation as we know it. Um, and then, kind of in a um, stand-by and stand-back uh, mm-hmm. shenanigans, he asked, he told people that they should go and defend the churches and they should stop the protesters. Mm. Um, yeah, interesting parallels there. Um the so around this time, as he's kind of fighting against the protesters and asking people to stand up, um, the organizers of these protests start to kind of enumerate um, their demands. So the All Poland Women's Strike, um, which is one of these organizations, presented a list of demands, and this um, includes fixing the constitutional tribunal so it's actually doing what it's supposed to do. Um, And then in addition to the Supreme Court and the omnibus person, they want to amend the budget so that there's more um, funds for health protections and assistance for entrepreneurs. They want full women's rights, so legal abortion, sex education, contraception. Um, They want the stopping of the financing of the Catholic Church from the government's budget. Mm -hmm. And they want the end of religious instructions in schools and the resignation of the government. So they want like big political goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, and so then this was followed on the 28th by a women's strike. So many, many women in Poland stopped working for the day. Um, some were supported by their employers and some weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thinking maybe what we were all thinking on the 30th, um, the prime minister asked the protesters to stop protesting because of COVID. Um, we saw this before with the yes. um, Wet'suwet'en people. Yeah, with the Wet'suwet'en people also with like Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Um, and he asked them to put aside the abortion issue for another time because it's COVID. Um, important to this context is COVID, uh, Poland has been seeing around 20,000 cases a day. Um, in context, like Canada has around the same population as, Pol- as Poland and we've been seeing around 2,000 cases a day mm. and it's very scary. Um, so that's where Poland is. Um, and, but important to note, none of these cases have been tied to the protests yet because it's kind of too early to tell. Yeah. And like, we know from Black Lives Matter that like, they're not necessarily super spreader events. Uh-huh. Um, if people are wearing masks and being safe. Um, an interesting addition to this COVID context is that some people think that the Constitutional Tribunal brought in this change to kind of distract from the rising number of COVID cases um, Mm. and to like distract from the government's ineffectiveness when it comes to COVID. Um, On the same day, a lot of things happened on the 30th. Um, The police um, said they were concerned about um, the protests getting violent, not because of the protesters themselves, but because of the right-wing nationalists mm-hmm. and counter-protesters. Um, some have been calling themselves the National Guard, and one can only assume that this is because they've been egged on by the government. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least that must be part of it. The government also tried to table a new bill to ease tensions, but this new bill just kind of uh, fully... Uh, legalized and changed the criminal code to kind of give abortion the same status this has right now. Right. Um, 
and it would allow for abortion um, in the case of fetal abnormalities, but nothing, like, it wouldn't give any access because, say, a woman wanted an abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so here we are now on Monday, November 2nd, and the government has seemed to change its tone a little bit in that it's asked the protesters to come to the negotiation table. Um, but the protesters have refused, and today we have seen more protests. Um, so this is really an ongoing situation, but really in some ways exciting because it's a it's a country rising up around an issue that like kind of you wouldn't think would make this much noise, mm-hmm. um, but clearly is representative of a system that hasn't been working for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, because clearly it's not just women of childbearing years who are protesting, mm-hmm. right? Like, to get oh, yeah. 430,000 people on the streets is, that's going to be a huge, like, cross-section of, of the population. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, as you said, it, it must be indicative of dissatisfaction with the government as a whole. So, yeah, hopefully we see some really interesting change there. Hello and welcome to the pop culture section of the podcast, um, where I often focus on celebrities, and today is no different. Today I will be telling you about a mystery unfolding in my home country of Ireland, where a celebrity has gone missing. Oh no! Yes, you heard that right. A celebrity has gone missing, and they just so happen to be a dolphin. This month, I will be telling you all about Funky the Dolphin <laughs> and the grave situation we are currently in. Oh, so, boy. So, Micah, have you ever heard of Funky before? I have not. Okay, you, you haven't been to Ireland, so that's Mm-mm. probably yeah. That's probably why Funky's a bit of, bit of a bit of a hero there. Um, he's actually a bottlenose dolphin who has lived off the coast of Dingle County, Kerry. So, if you need a visual, that's in the south of ireland uh since 1983 when he was first spotted by a lighthouse keeper so i think that's a very um majestic origin story for him there and he was named after a local fisherman who was teased for his attempt to grow a beard and was nicknamed fungus so fungi was nicknamed after that guy's nickname so a lot of lot of nicknaming going on there sounds very um yes yeah yeah And he's about 13 feet long and weighs a quarter ton. And you're probably thinking, like, what is so special? Because, like, that just sounds like a dolphin to me. Um, But the thing is, Funky is very friendly. Uh, The tour manager of Dingle Dolphin Boat Tours estimates that maybe five tours a year don't see Funky. But 99% of the time, he stays in the harbor and enjoys playing close by the tour boats. So if you ever like look up pictures of him, you'll see him like jumping like right by like people's little boats and stuff. He's very playful, very, very friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and dolphins are like quite friendly, but they can also be like a little weird. Uh, there was another dolphin in nearby County Clare that that um, everyone was very excited about for a bit. Um, but she, I believe, um, got kind of aggressive. So mm-hmm. they didn't vibe with her for too long. Uh <laughs> Funky is also very special because he's solitary. So as you may know, dolphins normally live in pods, Mm -hmm. but Funky has been alone and he's lived by himself for 37 years, which brings me into, (laughs) um, I guess, 
my next point, which is that he is very old. So he was thought to be about five to 10 years old when he was first spotted. Um, some locals think that maybe he was orphaned, that like his mom died at sea and that he just kind of came into the harbor feeling that it was a safe place to be and then stuck around. Um, a little bit strange because like to me, if I were a dolphin, I'm not sure I'd be sticking to the freezing cold Atlantic waters of Mm-mm. a random harbor in Ireland. Um, I'd probably just like hightail it, pardon the pun, to like Miami or something, but whatever. Um, so yeah, he's like about 40 years old now. And the median age for a bottlenose dolphin in the wild is believed to be about eight to 17 years old. So dude is like ancient. Um, he's, he's old. Um, in 2019, he was actually named the oldest solitary dolphin in the world out of 114 solitary dolphins, um, by the Guinness World Book of Records or Book of World Records, or however we say Mm -hmm. that. Um, Again, since it's called Guinness, I should probably know that. Um, And given his exceptionally old age, there has been some theories that they have been replacing the dolphin. (laughs) Um, You know, just having like two or three different ones, subbing them in one after the other, um, with local businesses conspiring together to maintain the funky brand. I actually really like this theory because I went to see Fungi once when I was like 10 and he wasn't there. Um, so I got one of like the five tours a year that mm. didn't see Fungi and I've been like a little pissy with him ever since. So I would like to think that he's a big fat fraud, but someone did point out recently that you can't really replace him because if you just got a new dolphin, wouldn't that one just like go somewhere else mm-hmm. because like the harbor is not a very good place for them to be like he still acts the same and stuff so yeah um i also think fungi is kind of special and has like captured people's hearts because he's a non-cruel animal attraction and probably one of like the only animal attractions in the world where there's like a specific named animal that's like not in a cage where it's just wild Mm, and it's just you get to go see it and it's happy and you're just you can be you can see a tourist attraction animal and feel like good about yourself mm-hmm. afterwards. So I think that's that's why he's so special. Um, and a lot of other people agree because everybody bloody loves him in Ireland and around the world. But you know, mainly mm-hmm. people who visited Ireland. Uh, the town of Dingle is basically on the map because of him. It's already like in a beautiful and very like touristy popular area of Ireland, like County Kerry's um, one of. It's my opinion, like the prettiest part of Ireland mm-hmm. and where we would go for our like summer holidays in the country. But that specific town has like become instantly associated with Fungi. It's like when you think of Arizona, you think of the Grand Canyon or, mm-hmm. um, you know, and imagine it has nothing else, just the dolphin. Uh, <laughs> so there's actually a statue of him in the town. No way. Mm hmm. Um, the tourist stores, they all carry like funky t-shirts and pens and toys. Um, there's businesses built around him. There are like, they call themselves like dolphin spotting tour companies, but there's only one dolphin. So mm-hmm. it's like a funky spotting tour company. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard mentioned swimming with him on the Graham Norton show as a child. So he's, he's pretty popular. Uh, mm-hmm. everyone really, really likes him, which has made the current situation. <gasps> All the more dire. 
Um, so people go out to see fungi every single day, like not just like groups of tourists every day, but there's people who are like obsessed with him mm -hmm. and like like look after him and like just go check on him every day and stuff. Um, and he was last seen on October 13th. So at oh, no. time of recording, that was well over two weeks ago since his last spotting. And he's never been missing this long. They, you know, usually only go a day or so without seeing him. And we've got many days without seeing <laughs> yeah. him. Now. Yeah. So there are some theories. Uh, the first one is that fungi has migrated. According to research published by the Irish Whale and Dolphin Group, dolphins that frequent the Shannon estuary, so that's like a nearby waterways um which were initially presumed to have passed away were found to have moved into nearby bays so it's not uncommon that mm -hmm. you know that he could move um dolphins and whales are highly mobile they range thousands of kilometers and there's a chance that um despite the fact that he has been in one area for three and a half decades um he might suddenly pop up somewhere else mm -hmm. uh, behaviorally that doesn't seem likely but you never know um there's some theories that he's gone to chase food there have been some recent easterly winds and they tend to drive feed further out to sea so some people are hopeful that he may have just gone further out into the ocean mm -hmm. to chase that food um some people in a very interesting facebook group i found uh think that maybe he's social distancing <laughs> Um, and it's been reported in the news as well, you know, people have said that last week, um, you know, for a few different, I guess there's like two veins of this. So the news reported version is that last week, um, a humpback and a few pods of dolphins came in actually like unusually close mm -hmm. to the shore and that, you know, cause Funky's solitary that maybe he got a little freaked out and went into hiding, like self-isolating mm -hmm. from strangers. Um, other people think that maybe he just was sad because of the the lack of tourists to hang out with and he's gone into a bit of self-isolation himself. Um, and then I guess the other big theory is that maybe after outliving his lifespan <laughs> by 20 years and living in a place and way that seems that doesn't seem conducive to dolphin health, that maybe he's dead that would have been my um i apologize to the people of ireland but that would have been my first assumption um and then you, you you started listing other options and i was like wait the, the the dead option isn't the most popular one it is everyone is very traumatized okay. so um yeah there's actually been a, a team of divers carrying out an extensive search oh, no. um yeah, and boats have been continuing to search the area. They've been doing like 12 kilometers um, stretch along the sea. Um, so that's about seven and a half miles that they've been just mm -hmm. checking for him. Um, but really, people are upset. Um, Carolyn Boland, Boland, God, that's probably a really Irish name that I've just butchered there. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I've been away too long. Um, well, she's a spokeswoman for the Dingle Peninsula Tourism Alliance. Said, "What's happening here is a bereavement. People are devastated to think that he might be gone. It's like a member of the family dying. He brought magic, and he inspired us. This beautiful wild creature who lived at the mouth of the harbor." Aww. 
And the sentiment is very evident in some funky Facebook groups I perused. Um, people, and I mean grown-ups who live all around the world, have written songs and poems about him. Um, I've seen people who've got funky tattoos. Oh, no. Um, people decided the best way to honor and pray for him over Halloween was to carve funky <laughs> jack-o'-lanterns. Um, my dad actually sent a picture to our family group chat where maybe it's Photoshop, maybe someone actually did it, but they had like submitted his name into the death notices um, in a newspaper. So, oh, and there was a very, there's, uh, everyone was very up in arms in the Facebook group recently because somebody said that he'd been found and they just got way too excited and it was very traumatic for everyone. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Someone else has suggested that a set of commemorative postage stamps be made in his memory. And to be honest, that would not surprise me. Uh, and then there's obviously not just the emotional side of things, but the... The practical side of things, according to the Irish Times, um, people have suggested that a diversification support for the families um, involved in boating trips be established. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as I said, people's whole businesses rely on this dolphin. Um, so, you know, providing them with marine craft licenses, which would allow them to bring people further out to sea, to see whales and other pods of dolphins rather than just... One. hanging out in the harbor with fungi but yeah basically it's a pretty sad mood in ireland at the moment um you know i'm a bit of a fungi skeptic but i do think that he captures one of my favorite things about our irish people which is that like we're kind of weird and sentimental and easily excitable mm -hmm. like we don't have an enormous harbor bridge or a grand canyon or like a Niagara Falls but like we do have a president who looks like a leprechaun and has an enormous Bernie's mountain dog that's almost as big as he is <laughs> you will notice that I said Bernie's mountain dog singular because one of them died recently and like <gasps> no yeah and I don't think the country can handle another animal-based tragedy mm -hmm. Miggledy lost one of his puppers that's so yeah. sad I know so we can't have another one no we have like three precious animals in in the country and one of them we lost one of them during covid um we also have a turkey puppet that uh we've entered into the eurovision song contest <laughs> nice. before uh we're so pretty sad if anything happened to him but you know we also really had a singular dolphin that seemed slash seemed really happy and you know i think it's a bit of this like self-mythologizing of this whole like mythical magical mystical ireland but that's a nice global perception to have. There's mm -hmm. worse global perceptions to have. So, you know, I really hope that for everyone's sake, for the country's sake, that Fungi is found or that we can get some closure on this mm -hmm. um, or, that you know, that we can find something else to make a disproportionately big deal out of. Um, Maybe Miggledy will get another dog. And oh, you should get like a really tiny dog to like yeah. play with the Bernie's Mountain dog. That will be pretty cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I hope, Micah, that you and the listeners have learned a lot about the dolphin that Ireland is obsessed with. Yeah. And the dark, dark day that we always feared would come finally has. Alrighty, so that finishes up us, up us, us up. Gosh, I can't even. It's 
Who knows it's a, it's a big week, if you'll excuse us. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, we done. Uh, <laughs> hope you liked it. We hope we brought you some joy during whatever this week is. Yeah, even if you're finding this in, like, five years and Earth doesn't exist anymore, but the aliens kept our <laughs> podcast out of all of the podcasts um, mm-hmm. as a relic. Because we talk about such a range of things that you can really learn about. We probably humanity. would. We're kind of like a time capsule. So we get a really yeah. g- broad scope. So, yeah, aliens, mm-hmm. if you're listening, this is the best podcast to put in your... <laughs> your uh relics of earth file um it's gone off a little bit there but uh yeah normally we end the episode by saying you should follow us uh and i think this month that will be good uh there's gonna be a lot of updates so we will providing be providing them on instagram at dtcbs podcast but you can also follow us individually on instagram and the twitter i am at yasmin lomax and as established before, I am now at Micah Hunt. Very exciting stuff. That's the biggest mm-hmm. news of right now, Micah. Your new... Oh, for sure. Nothing your else. Your new socials now. handles. Anyway, we're done. That's it. That's it. Yes, that's it. <laughs> Bye. Bye.